Hi there, and welcome to the second episode of the Consumed Podcast. My name is Ben Fox, and once again, I'm joined by my lovely wife, Katie. Hello. Hello, everyone. We've had lots of lovely comments over the last week on the first episode, people having a listen and giving us feedback, most of which we've taken on board. So, um, yeah, we really appreciate it. And if you're listening to this episode, um, feel free to let us know how you feel about it. Tweet um, at us, email us. We have, yeah, I we, mean, there's not Instagram a lot us. of <laughs> outside <laughs> contact with the world. So literally anything would be appreciated. Yeah, absolutely. This is the show where we consume media, video games primarily. Um, so yeah, if you've got, if you want to send us an email about things you've been playing or watching, um, you know, if we get emails in with questions and things, we'll we'll make that a section of a show, and we'll you know we're more than happy to address those. So yeah, get in contact. That'd be really cool. All right. Um, so for those who uh, for those of you who were here last week, you know that the show takes the form inexplicably of a three course meal. The first part of which is the starter, and that's just a general catch-up over the last week. So, Katie, how has your week been? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Not a huge change from last week. <laughs> uh, I think, I, I guess the one positive thing is Michigan finally had its like first day of spring yesterday. It was oh, really nice. nice. Yeah, really nice weather. Very enjoyable. I think that that's kind of brought up the mood a little bit so i'm hoping that right. sticks around that's really good to hear yeah it's been the weather in the uk has been up and down it's quite nice now but yeah it was hailing bizarrely <laughs> yesterday um Classic. so yeah so i don't really know what's going on with the weather but yes um, it looks like uh things are looking up for both of us in that regard um what about have you been killing the time been watching anything been playing anything yeah, I mean, uh, similar things that we talked about last time. I'm still, you know, diving deep into the vault of retro games that I have yeah. um, accessible to me now that I'm awesome. quarantining at my parents' house. So trying to catch up with a few TV series. We've been working our way through the newest season of uh, RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? Because yeah, by we you mean you and me. But you've got to sort of explain it to me as if I wasn't there. But yeah, um, what do you think then, RuPaul? Because I mean that that's still coming out, I suppose. Um, I think anyway. I don't think it's finished yet. How do, how are you rating this series compared to some of the other series of RuPaul? I think it seems like they've got a lot of competent contestants. Like there hasn't been as many people. Sometimes when we go yeah. through a season, we are just like counting down the episodes until certain people leave and it's like multiple queens that were like get out of here but this time there's only been like one or two that we haven't enjoyed yeah the flip side of that for me is that there haven't been that many sort of specimens or characters they've all like i say they've all been relatively competent there are you know a couple who are who are entertaining but it's sort of been pretty by the book sort of stuff for me at the moment yeah um but yeah, enjoyable. Definitely, definitely worth watching. Of course. Um, I'm trying to think what I've been watching. Oh yeah, I've been mainlining uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, mm. the uh, police-based sitcom um, starring Andy Samberg from um, Saturday Night Live. He's the guy. Do you know who he is? Have, do you remember? Have you seen him in anything? Is he? Is that in it? I think I know him. He's not the guy in Parks and Rec, though, right? There's a guy, no. I always get him confused with the guy who plays John Ralphio, I'm pretty sure. Ben Schwartz. Yeah. Uh, no, it's not him. It's, um, he, he was, he's in Lonely Island, the band. No? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> they do lots of, like, you, I don't think they're still running, they do lots of sort of um, uh, comedy songs. Um, I won't name the, the most famous song because it's not broadcastable. Um <laughs> And also, what I mean, I'm sure the viewers of listeners are really going to be entertained by me trying to think of what you'd know him from. Yeah, I mean... I know. What, what about... Um, do you remember the Natalie Portman rap yeah. from SNL? Yeah. Do you remember there's a guy who's also sort of singing with some horns on his head? Yeah. That's him. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I've think i got it. I mean, if, if you took a, a glimpse into our daily life when Ben and I are in person together, it's like 
pretty much just a constant stream of Ben trying to remind me who people are. I think I have some form of facial blindness because I cannot tell some actors apart and I just cannot match their names to their faces. So that's, that's <laughs> These a real are people str- of your own country. That's a real struggle for him. <laughs> um, yeah. So, but anyway, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is really, really good. I, I think I'd seen the first couple of seasons years ago and then I sort of blitzed it all on Netflix recently while playing doom um and i really really enjoyed it it's got that um similar uh it's got that similar theme to parks and rec speaking of that is another thing we watched right recently yesterday yeah yeah so i we were surprised to see it actually went up on youtube didn't it if you're in america Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if you're in the uk you can see the latest episode of parks and rec but you'll have to use a, a vpn and you know tell the internet that you're in america don't know if that's legal i'm sure it's fine um yeah, so we sat down and watched that yesterday. And what do you think, Katie? Oh, I thought, I mean, yeah, Parks and Rec. I, probably my favorite show. And it took me a long yeah. time to get to it. Like, I had people, people who are probably listening to this podcast recommending that show to me since college, like, nonstop. And I don't know why yeah. it took me so long to get around to it. You and I just finished watching it, what, last year or yeah. two years ago? so great and so yeah like you said the relationships between all the characters even though i don't know i don't want to spoil it even though they weren't all in the same place uh well i think the you know the connections between the characters were still were still there and were still very prominent so yeah i think yeah i thought it was a real feat um especially and stood testament to the quality of those relationships that even though it was all had you know it was filmed in lockdown so you know everyone's on zoom calls the whole episode sort of framed around zoom calls or you know the in-universe equivalent and even then you still got a sense of the strength of those relationships it was still able to bring a tear to my eye at the end yeah i mean i I think i said to you after that i've i've long held that the sitcom frasier is the best thing america has ever done of all the Um, things you know about (laughs) america now yeah (laughs) including um, your wife <laughs> but parks and rec is is approaching fraser status for me which as for those of you who know me that's big you know, what a lofty uh position that is so yeah definitely worth watching if you if you're looking for a show to sort of binge during this lockdown and you can find parks and rec and haven't seen it before thoroughly recommend or just watch it again i'm ready to start again yeah. from the beginning now yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, I think it's it's the sort of positive vibes we need. All right, well, we'll leave Starter there and uh, we'll jump straight in to the chunky main course, which this week is a, a very interesting game. Uh, we'll have a quick break. We'll come straight back after it with the game Death Stranding. See you in a bit. Okay, and we're back with this week's main course, the PS4 exclusive Death Stranding. Well, PS4 exclusive for now. I think it might be coming out on PC eventually. Um, so this released last year, um, I think November 2019. Um, Katie, very lovingly, bought it for my birthday. Or was it Christmas? Christmas? Uh, I think it was Christmas because then that game oh, yeah, yeah. became 99% of our Christmas <laughs> holiday. <laughs> was just <sighs> death stranding i don't know if that's yeah. colored my <laughs> my views View of this of game yeah um, it did rather take over my life when it came out um so i suppose we better dive immediately into sort of the history of death stranding because while it is a standalone game it's, it can't really be divorced from its creator a man by the name of hideo kojima is this someone you'd heard of before this Katie. Oh, definitely not. Didn't know, okay. yeah, didn't really know anything about him. Like, maybe you'd mention the names. Probably some, I mean, yeah, it's just not something that I looked into. But I remember, like, I, you probably showing me the previews for this game and just seeing yeah. all the hype online about how it looked and and yeah. all these, like, famous-ish people like people doing the voice work yeah. Mads Mikkelsen one of my favorite actors I found yeah. out that he was gonna be in it and I was like sick and then and it's not just voice work their likenesses oh, yeah, are painstakingly yeah, yeah. Um, realized aren't they yeah Norman Reedus is the star um and we'll yeah we'll come back to 
you know the, the characters of the game itself and some of those actors in a bit but just to um think about Hideo Kojima for a sec so he is I suppose most famous for um the Metal Gear and Metal Gear Solid franchise which were especially Metal Gear Solid well but actually Metal Gear as well which came out on the MSX maybe you could argue that Metal Gear Solid and Metal Gear were sort of the progenitor of of all stealth games where the focus wasn't killing everything it was sneaking past them um but anyway it was it was groundbreaking at the time um and remained groundbreaking there was crazy stuff like in um metal gear solid one you'd fight a boss this is like the the well-recorded crazy thing from metal gear solid um but if you were playing metal gear solid one you'd fight start fighting a boss called psychomantis who had these telekinetic powers right and then suddenly he'd start saying uh, telling you things that you've played, like talking to the player, breaking the fourth wall and mm. saying, oh, by the way, have you been playing... Um, oh, this is in the GameCube version. Have you been playing a lot of Smash Brothers recently, Snake? And you'd be like, what? How does he know I'm playing Smash Because it was like reading uh, reading the memory card. Ew, and, yeah, and then that's he... spooky. Yeah, and then he would... Um, I suppose this is minor spoilers for a game that came out a long time ago. <laughs> but he would he would paralyse Snake. Solid Snake is the, is the main character of most of the Metal Gear Solid games. Snake was paralysed. You couldn't move him. And the way to get around it was you had to take out your controller, put it in the Player 2 port of the PS2 or the PS1, and then you could be free of the um, telekinesis. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's, uh, and I remember you kind of telling me about some of these things and yeah about what this guy's known for and it it does sound um yeah like he was going for things that people maybe hadn't done before so (laughs) yeah definitely uh yeah groundbreaking in in a lot of different ways all of his games have a really even though metal gear i think likes to think of itself in, in grounded in sort of modern political ideas it's very sort of hyper real there's a lot of magic and sort of uh very bizarre imagery in in all of his games um but they are so difficult to describe as as we'll come on to with with death stranding the dialogue in metal gear is often very overwritten <laughs> full of term meaningless terms that kojima sort of you know imbues with an immense amount of value or believes to have done the stories are meandering and bizarre. You've got all this crazy imagery going on at, alongside it. And it's just like, what is going on here? <laughs> and, you know, when you're a teenager, as I was when I was playing the Metal Gear Solid franchise, you sort of eat it up and you think, this is incredibly deep. This is amazing. He's saying things and doing things that other people aren't doing. But as you get older, you sort of realise, actually, deep beneath all of this nonsense, I don't actually know if he's <laughs> saying all that much. Yeah, I and mean, when you're... Of, 27 year old lady he also just cannot figure out what the heck is going on the whole yeah, time yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely so speaking personally my opinion of kojima has sort of fluctuated over time i hold the metal gear solid games in really high regard mechanically i think they play really well they're really fun i love the characters the stories I have never regard well, I certainly don't regard now as well written. Some of the time he's sort of biting off more than he can chew, um, but they're definitely interesting. They're really interesting games. So anyway, th- he was going along with this series for uh, um, you know many years, inc- relatively successful. I think probably Konami's one of Konami's most successful franchises, mm-hmm. to the point where Konami was saying, "Look, just keep churning out." Um, Metal Gear games because people are buying them just keep churning them out and he'd got now to Metal Gear Solid 5 and he had said publicly that he was done he was like you know this was the last one in him he's he'd already got the you know feeling that he was pumping these out already and there sort of wasn't much more in the barrel um but but Konami a company a video game um producer um publisher sorry that are now widely derided and hated um largely because of what happened with kojima they were just like no keep doing it keep putting them out keep putting them out and because of this division between them um kojima was essentially forced out of the company i think he was sort of they sort i don't know the details i'm not going to comment on the details because i don't know why but the, the long and short of it is is that he left um konami which is this huge publisher it's a massive mm. deal um and he, his production company, company Kojima Productions, became an independent company for the first time, as far as I know, since since it had you know started. I mean, I guess yeah. Um, kudos to him for doing, fighting for what you believe. Absolutely, in. yeah, and we'll yeah, and we'll definitely 
come back to that in a bit, that idea that, you know, regardless of what you think of this game, it is a vision and it is his vision. And it is, there's an element of bravery for the originality being put out, especially as, you know, there's a lot on the line for Death Stranding because Death Stranding, the game we're talking about today, is the first game he's developed as an independent publisher, uh, developer um, away from Konami. Because what happened was Sony came along and paid him loads and loads of money and said, all right, make us a game. You're free to do whatever you want. We know you don't want to do Metal Gear Solid anymore. Do whatever you want, but put it on PS4. We'll publish it for you. So Sony came and gave him that lifeline. Everyone was really happy about that. So so there's that. So, and then he released this game, like I say, last year, November 2019. And it's absolutely insane. If you were to look at it, you would say, is this a game? What's going on? I just don't understand conceptually what this is. Which I said because... many, many times during my... <laughs> yes. this, this was another game that um, I watched Ben play for the most part. And I will admit, like, you know, right from the get-go, I am not the target consumer for this <laughs> for this type of brand. But, yeah, it did become something that was very tough for me to follow as it went along. Well, it became quite tough for me to follow, and I was obsessed with it. But... <laughs> Yeah, it, it was funny sort of watching all of the... Because, you know, I follow the video game industry quite closely. Um, and obviously, as soon as Sony bought up Kojima and his production company, everyone went crazy. They're like, this is going to be stunning. He's completely unshackled. He's, you know, he's all these ideas that ever since he's been in this rut with Metal Gear, he's about to come out with this amazing new thing. And then slowly over many years, you know, um, screenshots and trailers started coming out. And every time people are like, what is this? I have no idea what this is. It, is he walking? Why is he walking? What? What's the gameplay? We don't know what it is. Like and this happened like no, over like, and over. fighting or there's no really no, interaction yeah. with like any other characters in any it of was, It was either the promotional material to two forms, either something on, you know, the beach, something very cinematic with Norman Reedus looking around and there being, you know, whales and, you know, lots of goo and that sort of thing. And, oh, what does it mean? Symbolism. There was either that or there was a gameplay trailer of someone walking through a field or up a mountain. Well, I mean, on top of all that, my only takeaway from the previews was as soon as they introduced the bug-eyed baby, I was like, (laughs) where... (laughs) Where in the world are they going to go with this? Yeah, so I suppose we better start drilling down. So it's, yeah, essentially, as the as the material was coming out, people became increasingly sort of confused and cynical, and sort of the hype. I sort of felt it go down and down as people became more and more wary of what this actually was because they had n- just no idea. So let's move on to what this game actually is. Then Death Stranding. It's, it essentially is a game where you are a futuristic postman um, played very well by the famous actor Norman Reedus, who um, I think is best known for his role in, in The Walking Dead. He's the protagonist, um, Sam Porter Bridges. And uh, it's essentially, he's living in this very bizarre fantasy, sort of post-apocalyptic um, America Everyone, because of various uh, supernatural things that have gone on, everyone's sort of hunkered down in these various separated cities. And it's Sam Porter Bridge's job to essentially just deliver goods between these different outposts. And not by car, because there are actually lots of um, ghosts, because the whole game is about the afterlife and this, and this sort of version of the afterlife that Kojima's come up with. So as you're wandering around these lands trying to deliver parcels to other people, you know, you're, you're occasionally attacked by these ghosts or BTs. I think they're called beached things. So the game consists of you being Sam, going to a place, taking on a mission, which will probably be, look, pick up this box and take it a long way away, but you're going to have to do most of this journey on foot. You strap, which is one of my favourite parts of it, you strap all the different boxes, because you have to usually take loads of different parcels. You strap them manually to different bits of your body. So you could just take them as a huge backpack that's you know twice the height of Sam, like towering up. Um, but obviously, if you do that, and what's really good about the game's physics is that you know you'll you'll find yourself sort of falling backwards, and because you know one of the key mechanics is that you're balancing with L two and R two and trying to not fall over because if you fall over, you damage the cargo. Sorry, I feel like I'm going 
going insane, hyperventilating from describing <laughs> this. There's just so much insanity. Um, and this is only so, like the initial mechanics. I'm just trying to, just trying to describe <laughs> what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's funny because the game is just walking, but there are so many detailed mechanics around the act of walking across an open, you know, mountain range. So yeah, so instead of stacking them on your back, you can stack, you know, some on your shoulder, some on your back, some on your other arm, some against your legs. So eventually you do get access to sort of vehicles and floating shelves that you can put stuff on. Um, and essentially you're just transporting information and packages around, opening up something called the chiral network, which again, it, it's very, I'm not sure how thoroughly it's explained. It's connected to this idea of the afterlife that the game's going for. But what happens is, as you go around to all these different points, and this beautifully rendered, it almost looks like Alaska, but, you know, there are some sort of um, greener peaks. It's sort of like Alaska, but the sun's been shining on it for too long. Because um, it, it gets, it's got a very sort of chilly sense, but, you know, there is a lot of sort of lush vegetation as well. Yeah, so while you're traversing this beautiful landscape on foot, you're connecting up this thing called the chiral network. And as you do that the game sort of then opens up its online features, real-world online features, where actually actions that other players have in their version of Death, Stra Death Stranding um, can impact your own game. So, for example, one of the things you're doing is you're wandering around the land delivering packages. You might need to scale a mountain, but obviously you can't scale a mountain easily if you've got a huge backpack on. Um, you can, but you'll probably fall over and damage your goods. You don't want to do that. So what you can also strap to your body are like portable ladders that you can put down on the floor and then, you know, erect them and then you can climb up the mountain. But what's good is, is that someone else, if they're connected to the chiral network in the game and they come to that mountain in the game, they can see your ladder that you've put there and they're like, whoa, this guy's really helped me out. They climb the ladder and they can give your ladder like a fate, like social media. They can give your your ladder loads of likes. The most which, which ridiculous form of social media ever. <laughs> yeah. So you'll log on and they'll be like, oh, some guy in Australia has just used your ladder and he's really grateful about it. So, so there's this other sort of social element that's sort of built into the walking around. So even though all you're doing is walking around, there are sort of surrounding mechanics. Okay, you, um, they're def you haven't gotten... Go on. Are you going to keep talking about the walking? No, I'm done. I'm done with the walking. You haven't gotten <laughs> to yet. Not only is there like 40 plus silver briefcases and ladders strapped to your back, but strapped to your front is a baby in an orange yeah, is... pod. <laughs> are you gonna, were yeah. you going to mention that? I wasn't, no, because there's so much good walking stuff I want to get through <laughs> that I forgot the baby element of it. Tell yeah, us about so the baby, please. I will do. Okay, so the baby, or BB, stands for bridge baby, um, is strapped to the front of Sam or, who, who you know, any of the um, sort of the postmen of this world. And the, the concept is bizarre. The, the idea is that, I don't know if I ever fully explained this to you, Katie, but the, the baby. <laughs> Even if you did, I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> the babies are prematurely born babies and because of that because they're not meant to be alive yet they are used to bridge the gap between the living and the dead and as i said in this world of death stranding the dead are sort of coming up and forming these sort of aggressive ghosts that keep attacking sam's he's just trying to deliver some packages but if he plugs in and by plug-in, he's got like a little... He's so, it's sort of strapped to his front in this pod, like Katie says. And he sort of inserts... It's almost like if you've got a guitar, sort of the jack you put into the amp. He puts it into the apparatus. And then suddenly, because this baby's connected to the afterlife, and in this world, the afterlife is called something called the beach, which is actually a place you can go, but I don't know, maybe we'll Another get Another inexplicable plot point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but because... Sam's connected to that baby he can then sense or his the machinery the apparatus he's got on can sense where these ghosts are um so as you're wandering across a rocky outcrop trying to get to your next destination um the baby will start crying a little meter a little sort of um it looks like a little satellite dish comes out the top of your backpack and starts looking around for the ghosts because the baby's sensing them because it's twixt the world's realms of living and dead um, and it can help you sort of navigate the more dangerous elements. Katie's laughing, but I think it's deadly serious. Dude, like, who thinks of this? 
Yeah, it, it is. It, I, it's it, it a was very... just such a strange, like, okay, invisible enemies, fine. Baby strapped to your chest, fine. Combine those <laughs> two elements. It was just, yeah, I mean, props for originality, I guess. Yeah. But yeah. it's just a mechanic of sensing your invisible enemies that I guess I would have never, never thought to include. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, good point. If you spend too long near these BTs, these ghosts, the baby gets pretty upset because I think it drains it a little bit to keep showing you where they are and it starts crying. Or if you fall off a cliff, it starts crying and you have to sort of manually pick it up or you press a button and he gets the baby's pod in his hands and you shake the DualShock 4 and he sort of shakes shakes it like a cradle to sort of rock him back to sleep. It's very strange, genuinely bizarre. Well, I guess in addition, that, you know, that baby mechanic was one thing but the other one of the other really big things about this game that i didn't understand was with these invisible enemies what actually mm. happens to sam um porter bridges when he dies yeah so i mean i suppose being sort of well i mean i was gonna say we can get into the story but there's not a lot more i can say beyond the setup <laughs> not because of spoiler reasons just because i it's very difficult to understand what's going on. But there's something special about Sam Porter Bridges in that when he dies, he's able you know, to come back to life. He ends up at the beach, which is the idea of this afterworld, but he's then able to find a way back. So there's lots of cutscenes, lots of interaction with this idea of the beach. It plays very you know, thoroughly into the story. Some of the connections and some of the things they set up at the beginning, because obviously you play a game like this, it's got such a bizarre setting. It's post-apocalyptic. You don't really know the timings with relation to you know our own timeline. It feels like, look, something's gone down and now we're in this weird post-apocalyptic world. And some of the threads that it sets up at the beginning are satisfyingly addressed at the end. Lots of them, I would say, aren't. And if there was one thing, while I love this game, and I'll come on to why... Um, generally speaking, I think its weakest element for me is is the story um, and actually some of the characters, all of which don't really feel real, which might be intended, but they don't feel meaningful. I don't really get any sense of development of a lot of these guys. And like I say, there's no real revelation to it that made me think, oh, that has suddenly put in context all of this insane nonsense and now it feels meaningful. You know, it's sort of insane nonsense, and then it's explained with some insane nonsense at the end. But there's never any. It feels like it was setting you up for a revelation. Of yeah, some like a kind. big tangible wrap up of all of these yeah. like ridiculous threads. Like, fine, I yeah. I would accept the ridiculous threads if it would all, yeah, have gotten yeah. tied up a bit, a bit neater. But then I guess because it's if they are so weird, it's it's tough to expect that maybe well but it's because they are also weird and abstract and nebulous that i was sort of thinking right it's purposefully like this and once they you know uh lift the veil and sort of recontextualize it and then you realize why they're actually in the situation then everything will click and then what was nonsense suddenly in this new context makes sense and you think oh okay fine this is what they were going towards and I really got the sense that they were playing up the mystery of what was going on I thought you know Kojima was purposefully burying all of these leads later to come back and sort of explode them and be like this is what's been going on the whole time and it does to some extent but nowhere near as satisfyingly as I would have liked Um, so for me Despite some relatively good performances, obviously Norman Reedus, he's very sort of one note, but he delivers a good performance. You've got the famous director, Guillermo del Toro, as one of the characters in the game, um, known for for things like Pan's Labyrinth and Pacific Rim. He's very good. Um, As Katie says, Maz Mikkelsen as the antagonist is great. You've got Troy Baker... You know, uh, Harry and I talk about this guy all the time. He's like one of the most prolific video game voice actors of all time. Comes in and gives another antagonist performance. An absolutely worthless character, I would say. (laughs) Adds next to nothing to the story. Um, So from a narrative perspective, overall, I would say disappointing. It's interestingly bizarre, like all of Kojima's games are. And it's sort of entertaining in its own way just to, you know, you know, some of the lines, Katie and I were just laughing out loud, and that is in and of itself entertaining, but I don't think that's what it was going for. Yeah. So that's the story. Generally not not that impressed. 
Let's move on. Before we get into some of the other things I like about it, let's think about just the visuals and the design. How, from a sort of aesthetic standpoint, how did you find this, Katie? Yeah, I mean, I would say similar to, I think even last week on our first um, episode, if you haven't listened to that, go ahead and take a gander. Check it out. Um, we had maybe mentioned Death Stranding specifically in regards to visuals when we were talking about um, the Final Fantasy VII remake. And it's, it's it's similar. I mean, there's practically nothing you can fault Death Stranding on for the way it looks. I mean, yeah, photorealistic. It, even, you know, normal gameplay was like something out of the best cutscene for, for many other video games. Yeah, I completely agree. It's a, it's a beautiful game, um, really beautiful. The landscapes you go through um, are breathtaking. Um, you know the grass sways convincingly you clamber over rocks and they're all sort of textured convincingly the facial animation is all excellent across the board you know these look like the actors that are um, that are actually doing the mocap it's not like you know back in the day where it's just a bit of voice acting it is a performance and the technology there is giving a full performance digitally so yeah from a visual perspective I like you say I've got nothing but praise and also what I also love about it is just the visual design i love how like sort of intricate a lot of these um pieces of new machinery are the little like say watching satellite that comes out of his backpack the way his suit is designed the way the rest pods are all um created and very sleek and sort of beautifully rendered um just from an artistic perspective i think it it paints a sort of future in a really unique innovative way there's sort of a very clear iconography to this mm. game, even though it's, you know, perhaps the setting is, a you know, our post-apocalyptic sort of future. It, it is a bit generic in some senses. The visual language of this game is really strong. Even with the baby, as bizarre as it is, it's part of that iconography that I think really, really works for the game's favour. It's a really sort of distinguishable thing. And this, yeah, the setting um, helps in so many ways to, yeah, get that point across without explicitly saying, like, where in the you know the timeline of the world or whatever we are you can barely yeah. clearly see this is the us you know you or uca or whatever they call it that's obviously yeah. moved past um moved past some horrific event that it's changed yeah. changed Absolutely. their lives or what lives or whatever yeah. i was also going to say um i think it it was very interesting when i would watch you play it and i i feel like most of the time when you're kind of moving through the overworld map of a video game, you're just kind of trying to get to the city and that's where the mm. the action is and the quests or whatever. But in Death Stranding, when you get to the city, it's like you get to the outside border to yeah. the warehouse and drop off your stuff. Yeah. And that's it. That's all the view <laughs> yeah. you get of any civilized any anything where you would Interior. meet another character. Yeah. It's it's yeah. it's like the cities are the little overworld jumping between bits and then the open map is the you know the main bulk of the game yeah that's a good point i suppose that's a nice counter to everything is beautifully made and rendered but the flip side of that coin is actually for a game of this size and of this budget there's not actually that much for them to render beyond the game because as you say as soon as you get to any kind of settlement you're just the delivery guy you drop the package off it gets taken off by this machine you see that animation over and over and over again recycled across the across the board and then a little sort of fuzzy hologram of who you've sent it to appears because you know narratively they're not able to come outside because of how dangerous that the main land is um so while it is beautiful it's also sort of quite limited as to what it actually gives you. There aren't many interiors to explore. It really is either you're outside or you're sort of in one of these little stations dropping off some parcels. I would say, just before we move on gameplay-wise, yes, there's a lot of walking. I love the walking. I think it's really thoughtful, really sort of meditative, which you might come on to a little bit later. Um, there is combat, um, but it's... When you're actually delivering packages, you don't need it all that much. There are some sort of other sort of rogue postmen who come and try and steal your packages, and sometimes you need to take them down with extreme prejudice or whatever. But rogue it's postman. very, very band name yeah. called it. <laughs> yeah, um, but it's 
The combat isn't brilliant. Some of the tools you get are quite cool, um, but when you're fighting just humanoid guys, they go down very easily. It's nothing to write home about. I'm glad it, it's not too yeah. prevalent in the game because it's not that fun. You also will sometimes need to fight these ghost things, and if one of them catches you and drags you into its world or whatever, you are fighting suddenly you know, a huge whale made of oil jumping and flying around in the sky, or you're fighting another, you know, huge beast, again, made of oil for some reason. There are lots of sort of supernatural things you have to fight, and it's it's fine, but I'd be lying if I said it was any more than fine. I'm sort of always relieved when the combat sections are over so that I can just go back out and, and walk around. Except when it comes to... Uh, I mean, yeah, again, spoilers, but is there? there's a section later in the game where the, there suddenly is combat. It becomes, like, the main kind of thing that you have to do to advance yeah. to the next point. And if you haven't done yeah. it, like, the whole game, uh, it, I don't know, kind of takes agree. you out of it a bit. Yeah, no, that, and that's a valid point because you, as you're walking around the world, you know, if technically being good at the game means that you're avoiding these things, you're using the baby effectively, and you're not actually having to deal with any combat because you've stealthed it well enough. But if you do that throughout the whole game, you get to the point where the final, you know, act is, as Katie says, in one of the only sort of detailed interior areas, or it's sort of outside, but it's like an actually built um, sort of uh, outskirt of a city. Um, you sort of start having to do loads of fighting and you're just like, I'm not prepared for this, I don't really know what's going on and I, I just want this to end and I remember that even the final boss fighting it really frustrating, I was like why can I not just walk this final <laughs> boss to death, why can't I deliver the final package um, so there is a sort of um, juxtaposition maybe between those two things that's not especially satisfying um, so the story's not very good I wouldn't say the shooting and combat is average at best. But, as I said earlier, I love this game. I, I genuinely love it. I, you know, I really enjoyed playing it. Um, and I think a lot of it, as to what I was alluding to earlier, is just how good, bizarrely, it feels to just go in, log on, get a couple of packages on your back and just head out into the world on foot, you know, rarely are, get, rarely are there games where you get to do a lot of walking. A lot of the time you're, you know, caning it around in a sports car. On foot, packaged up, put some tunes on, put a, pod, put a podcast on, listen, or you can listen to the in-game music, which is very good, and just see where the road takes you, ideally, to where you need to go. Look at your map, look, oh, say, oh, there's a mountain there, I'm going to have to go around it, or, oh, no, I can use a zip line to go over to that point, I'm going to have to build a ladder to go over that ravine all sorts of different um, problems that you need to solve that are all really satisfying to do. And before you even go out, you can sort of make all these decisions. You can say, oh, I'm going to have to take three ladders because you can't just put a ladder in your pockets. So if you decided to take a portable ladder, that's going to take up one of your spaces. That's going to be have to be on your back or on your shoulder or whatever. Um, so you really have to think tactically about the best stuff to take out. Maybe you want to take a rope so that you can sort of, you've got to descend a cliff so you can put a spike at the top of the cliff and sort of descend it. But again, that's going to take up some of your inventory room. So lots of things you need to juggle, lots of things you need to think about. But at the same time, it's so simple when you actually get out there into the world and you're just holding L2 and R2 to keep your backpack on and you're just ploughing forward, there's something wonderful and pure about it. What's from that perspective, Katie, could you see why there would be sort of redeeming, it would redeem itself to some extent? I mean, I can picture myself coming right out of the gate with boxes stacked four times my character's height and immediately toppling into a river and then not touching it again. Yeah, that is that is so high. It's what's so good, I think, about the game in some ways is how invested in the packages you become, and when it goes south, it can go really south. So yeah, like that—that's a very real thing that could happen. I have slipped and fallen into a river, and as soon as that happens, you hear like a and then all of the you know twenty packages that you have connected to different parts of your body come off and start in real time floating away down the river and you're just sprinting down the river desperately wading in and grabbing them and putting them back on your back. And that sounds horrifying and in some ways it is, but I remember when that first happened to me and how you know desperate I was to get them back. I thought, well, something about this game has worked and that I'm really invested in this delivery. I'm connected to the reality of these things. You know, in some games, as soon as something's gone in a river, it's dead, it's done. You're going to have to go and get another one. 
But this game takes its physics very seriously. Things are actually still there. You know, if you, you, I could have just left it and gone and found where they'd washed up somewhere, and it might have taken me ages. But everything is a very solid item within the game world, which I really appreciate. There's a real tangibility to everything. Um, I can I can so see that. Um, I think we were we were talking about this before we started recording. I, well, I went for a, a hike yesterday. I do I do like to like to hike, like to go for walks outside. So it was you know not none not anything major. I think it was like three and a half miles out and three and a half miles back. So, you know, a decent a decent length, but sometimes when I'm hiking, like the only parts I really like is when you first start, like the first few steps you take on the trail. <laughs> and then like the middle point for me yesterday it was uh getting out to the, a view of a really beautiful river near where I live. Like that's sick. And then the next part is when when it's done, the last few steps <laughs> off the trail. Sometimes in those kind of intervening middle bits, like, yeah, it's really pretty. I'm out in nature, but, like, my feet hurt and my backpack is digging <laughs> into my shoulder and I've eaten all my snacks in the first mile of the trip and now I'm hungry again. So I just don't know if there's enough to keep me engaged it, when the bulk of the gameplay is those intervening middle bits of walking. I mean, I did spend a good chunk of time like watching that game, but it was like anytime I would look at the screen, it was either Ben walking through the same green gray landscape that we've seen the whole time, or it was on one of these menus with just ridiculously detailed statistics of every single box you're carrying and how much it weighs and like like freakishly detailed menus. I don't know if you were going to touch on that at all, but No, I suppose that's a good point. The data, I mean, yeah, I mean the amount of data in the game with all the walking with the wild plot. I just yeah. don't know if it's for me. <laughs> it is funny like when you when you finally deliver a package you get like a, a, a result screen which has about you know four thousand different numbers on it. And it the just font helps size you is with like data. two. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the thing is, what's interesting about it is that it never comes to anything really. The, the ratings, but they, you know, there's so much stuff it gives you in, in information, but you never use it. You never rely on it. Um, so I wonder whether it was some commentary on social media and rating systems. I don't know because it really is useless. But definitely there is a needless level of intricacy to it for sure. But that's sort of what I like about it. I liked the micromanaging of the different boxes and putting them in different um, sort of maximizing the uh, loadout and stuff. But uh, I can absolutely understand why someone would find that really boring. And that's the weird thing. If we come to some conclusions, it's a very it's a difficult one to recommend in, in some in some senses. Um, certainly if you're a story narrative sort of driven gamer i don't think it's gonna be especially satisfying for you um, and if you're sort of like a high octane combat gamer i don't think it's going to be especially satisfying for you or a casual either, but, gamer or if you're a casual gamer it's too dense <laughs> too, to get yeah into. a bit too dense a bit too daunting so yeah what what niche but would you say would be if if you're like to? me where i suppose you're a you don't mind risks being taken in games. And if there's one thing I can say about this, it's that I love that it exists. I love that uh, sort of an individual unique mind like Hideo Kojima was given the freedom to make a game where you're just walking across a rocky outcrop for however many hundred hours or whatever. Mm. I really respect that, you know, with his career essentially riding on it, him he took one of the biggest risks you could take and essentially made something that we haven't really seen before but also you know i play a lot of games and games do fall into various ruts and trends and you know i have spent a lot of time shooting demons with guns i've spent a lot of time sort of wading through dialogue trees this is different you know, as much as it is just walking, it feels unique. And there was something as well about the way it was fitting into my schedule where, you know, I'd come home from work and we'd have dinner or watch something or whatever. And then just before I went to bed, I could just make a delivery or two, which would take me, you know, 20 minutes or something. And then that could be it on the PS4 for the day. There's something that I found really relaxing and engaging about that core gameplay loop. But 
I absolutely would say that that's not going to be for everyone. But if there are elements of what we've been describing, you think, oh, that might be worth checking out. Yeah, I, th- I think it is interesting to to at least see. Yeah. And to, yeah, um, kind of to feel how it runs. Yeah, absolutely. And I, w- I would say, you know, there are lots of high quality reviews on, on YouTube um, if you want to look, see some gameplay as well. Um, but I would have a think about it because I, I think the industry needs more people like Hideo Kojima. As much as I don't think he's quite, you know, the messiah of, of gaming that, that many hold him to be, he is trying new things and he is taking risks. And I think some of the risks in this payoff, a lot of them don't. But I I genuinely, not ironically, I genuinely enjoyed playing it. I genuinely enjoyed that core gameplay. And I know lots of people that have a lot of these reviews. If you go and have a look at them, a lot of them do. Um, equally, a lot of them hate it. It's very <laughs> and it, polarized. Yeah, yeah, very, very polarizing. Um, but I sort of like the idea of supporting someone who's, who's taking a risk. Um, and it's, you know, I think even when you bought it, Katie, in December, it had already reduced mm-hmm. drastically in price, hadn't it? So, you know, I, I think it sold quite well. I heard rumors that Sony wasn't especially pleased with how well it sold, which is a bit disappointing because it implies that the industry only only really responds to the sort of themes mm. that it's been exposed to millions of times before. So I would definitely say, check it out. And if you think it's interesting, it's probably quite reasonably priced at the moment. I would definitely pick it up. And it's just an experience. And, so it's I, and got I think, a huge you know, if you're... bulk of gameplay to, to <laughs> pass <Yeah>. <laughs> the That's time. true, yeah. If you want to escape... If you, yeah, if you're feeling confined... And, you know, you haven't been, you can only go on your government daily walk for an hour or whatever. Continue the walking as Sam Porter Bridges out in the wastes of um, post-apocalyptic America. Um, but yeah, That actually is, I, just before, if this is kind of getting to the end of our conclusions, that is something I yeah. saw while I was kind of looking up just some things about this game as a, as a refresher. A lot of people have made, parallel, drawn parallels between this game and sort of the current world oh, really? situa- situation weirdly enough of like lockdown cities and mailmen having to you know go out and brave That's the a great point yeah brave the outside I'd not, world i'd not even made the connection between the fact that all the cities are locked down yeah that's really interesting yeah so it may even have a more poignant resonance now if you if you play it um but yeah i think it's a cautious recommendation from me i think it's an even Katie cautiouser <laughs> recommendation yeah. from me <laughs> <laughs> but I, it's worth checking out for sure not maybe not buying but worth looking into cool so should we leave that there for now then Casey I think I feel good about that I guess me too sort of yeah me too I mean I'm pretty there'll be definitely there'll definitely be fundamental things that we've not covered if you'd not said it I don't think I would have even spoken about the baby if I was just <laughs> going on by myself about which I you know, more or less was but if I was unsupported here I would have missed that key element of the baby strapped to you the whole time uh, anyway uh, we'll take a quick break and we'll be back with dessert Okay, we're back um, with dessert, the final section of our show. This is where we talk about, you know, one more game that we've been playing this week, something we'd like to let you know about, maybe recommend, or something we're looking forward to coming out in the future. Um, so, Casey, what's your dessert this week? Mine is the opposite of something that's come out, coming out in the future. Uh, as I mentioned at the okay. top, I've been digging into the backlogs of, you know, video game history that I've got just laying in piles around my childhood bedroom. Uh, I actually had a different game entirely prepared for my dessert, but I had to change it in light of today being a special day in history. Any ideas, Ben? Um, I've no idea, no. Picture the scene. It's 1998. <laughs> the ministry has fallen. Hogwarts is under oh, control God. of Death Eaters. Everything's going crazy. Today, May 2nd, is the 22nd anniversary of the Battle of Hogwarts. <laughs> okay. Okay, so not even a real life event. <laughs> uh, you watch your mouth. <laughs> right, I, I actually so didn't, in celebration. I yeah, actually didn't realize it was today until I saw it was trending on Twitter, but today is the day okay. that Harry Potter defeated Lord Voldemort. Not spoilers. 
spoilers. Someone well, could be reading it right 22 now. Twenty-two-year-old spoilers. <laughs> so anyway, um, I went digging, and I'm I'm going to show it to Ben on Zoom. I'll have to put up a like a picture on our Twitter of something. I dug out my Game Boy <gasps> Color. Oh my god! I've been thinking about finding my Game Boy Color recently. I've been watching lots of videos about how you can mod them and stuff. It's such a good console. Yeah. So I've got. My purple, like the purple see-through Game Boy Color. It's covered in glittery blue dolphin stickers. Uh, And I have... Not not a fan of that color combination. (laughs) I have uh, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone for Game Boy Color as my dessert game today. I mean, I, I... Changed the batteries in my Game Boy Color and it did come up and start running, but there's a, like a a screen burn of the Game Boy logo <laughs> kind of stuck on it. Um, so I ended up looking up an emulator for the Sorcerer's Stone game. I I maintain the Game Boy Color Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone game has one of the most like fully developed settings for Hogwarts that you can explore and go wow. in every single classroom. It's it's Can you? Yeah, it's it's incredibly laid out. I mean it's got all seven stories of Hogwarts or whatever and you can go in just about every you know room ever mentioned in the game. It's it's really I'm really well done and I have been enjoying um I played through the first maybe hour this morning. Uh, I'm thinking. Oh, it looks! It looks awesome. It's it's, it's so it's, great. Visually, sort of reminds me of Stardew Valley. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, the pixel capabilities obviously still weren't there, but it's such a faithful representation of the first Harry Potter book. I mean, it pretty much you pretty much play through the entire story um, with Harry, and yeah. It, it's really great. I'm thinking about um, doing a stream of it on Twitch. So if anyone's interested in that, let me know. Oh, great idea. So that was um, just something that I wanted to bust out. But <laughs> it kind of made... Hang on, hang on, hang on. Sorry. Does it... How, how does the combat work? Is it a turn-based RPG? Yeah, yeah. There's There's little, like, magical... These weird, like, blue magic clouds of something that appear and if you walk into those then yeah you get there's a battle cutscene and you and you like choose attacks yeah, you, and cho- stuff. you choose your spell this is insane this is like a a full rpg harry potter it's, yeah. this looks amazing it's so different i mean i i'm pretty sure i played this one before i played the PC version of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So when I yeah. knew that the game was coming out for the computer, I was like, oh my gosh, like I can play on a big screen. This is going to be great. And then at the very beginning of the game, you're greeted by these monstrous faces of the Harry Potter characters. And I was like, I played, I played that game and you know, it's yeah. fun and you can, it's 3d and you can click to cast spells and all that. But the Game Boy Color really, really holds up to being you know really sticking to the story and giving you so much of hogwarts to explore which is pretty much what i've always wanted in a game that's awesome and we're still yet to get a faithful hogwarts aren't we in 3d which yeah. i think is insanity i mean there are rumors that is it rocksteady the arkham knight guys yeah there's been a few people of the universal studio saying it's coming out soon but yeah, so that could be on the horizon, but I just it feels like it's money on the table to make a game where you can be it's a customizable character. Know why they haven't done it yet. You know, it could be oh, it's bizarre, absolutely bizarre. Um yeah, I love um the game on PS1. I think the PC is different again. I think there are three versions or more than three versions. Yeah, this is I think like the PC you and know, PS1. Pixel super yeah. cute little one. I know, yeah, but I mean, I'm saying even the PC version, mm-hmm. I think, is different to the version I've played, which is the PS1 version, which is a game I really, really love. But like you say, it visually is horrifying. Some of those faces, <laughs> man, Ron and Draco. No, thank yeah, you. Yeah, this, um, this one is much cuter. I also think that it was, I mean, it, I, I think I probably have a super soft spot for it because it came out early enough that there's still sort of a sense of that like pre 
movie pre later books Harry Potter like it, it still has something that is not like it's not Daniel Radcliffe and the other characters in the game it seems like it's kind of there it's like it reminds me of my imagination of first reading the, yeah. the books before the movies came out so I mean yeah, highly recommend good. it I think you I don't know if it's illegal but say you can look up emulators for it yeah that's really uh, what a great game to bring up i never would have thought of that if you've given me a million guesses um awesome um my dessert is much less interesting than that um i as i said last week i'm sort of using this maybe i should be using it more productively but i'm using this lockdown to sort of chip away at some of my backlog of games i've not finished um so i finished final fantasy 9 last week this week i've been playing doom the um sort of reimagining that came out in 2016 are you familiar with this game casey uh i've heard i mean i heard lots of people talk about it but i am not yeah i mean ordinarily this game would be about as far away from the sort of thing i would usually play as possible i'm not a big first person shooter guy i think generally they're quite tedious and they're not not the sort of thing i'm i'm looking for from a game a lot of the time um, and I bought Doom because it was on sale. It, you know, garnered critical acclaim when it came out. Because um, obviously, you know, Doom's a you know very old game, but it, and this is sort of its newest form. It was you know there was Doom One, Doom Two, and Doom Three that came out um, ages ago, and this is sort of taking it back and reinventing the whole thing. Um, so I bought it because of the acclaim for you know twelve quid or whatever years ago, and I played it for a about half an hour and thought it was fine you know it's very fast and you you know sort of, sort of gratuitously rip the heads off all mm-hmm. the zombies once you've demons once you've killed them uh, and i thought you know, it was fine and then i put it down and i never played it again um but how wrong i was to not just push on through because the first level is a bit boring and when you've only got a pistol and sort of an underpowered shotgun it's sort of like uh, don't know if i can be bothered with this but as things continue and you get some of the bulkier weapons and the you know the speed continues to increase and you get familiar with the mechanics and how to move around the space my god it's so much fun it's so much fun it i've not been as satisfied by just a gameplay experience in a long time wow. it's just it's so visceral and you sort of go into a trance state with it because it's not like you know a lot of modern a lot of modern action games it's there's sort of been a phenomenon of recharging health, taking cover, sort of you taking a pot shot and then them taking a pot shot and then you sort of pushing on through, reloading a lot. This game strips all of it away. There's no cover system. You don't even reload your weapons. Um, there's You literally are going so fast around the arenas you run at a ridiculous speed and you're essentially just you know shooting and then ripping something's head off shooting something else ripping something's head off dodging something shooting something else getting a chainsaw out and cutting (laughs) something in half to get all the ammo that sprays out of it and it's it's just so um chunky and everything is animated so well you get a real set the doom slayer is the main character and you get a real sense even though he doesn't say a single word you just have his hands um, you get a real good sense of his character um, in the way that he interacts with the environment. He just like takes TVs off the wall with people he doesn't like and just throws them <laughs> against the floor. Or even even when he dies and he's sort of sinking into lava as he's going down, he puts like a thumbs up and sinks <laughs> down. So there's like they communicate a lot of character through through this you know wordless um, protagonist. Um, but just you know, the story is throwaway. Obviously, who cares? It's aliens on. Um, it's sorry, Hellspawn on Mars. Um, but it was just so fun and so like such a great way. I mean, not that I had anything really to wind down from. In a way, I sort of wish I was playing it while you know back at school properly because it would be a brilliant aggression. way if you come home like ah oh, really pent up to just unleash because <laughs> it, it's really really good. And the re- the reason I was actually playing it was because Harry for. My birthday bought me the sequel. It's mm. just come out, Doom Eternal. Um, so I wanted to get through that first, um, but I'm, I'm just so glad I did, and I'll be moving on to Doom Eternal soon. Um, but yeah, thoroughly recommend, especially to my brother, Harry, who has also got the original Doom, and like me, played it for half an hour and then put it down. As I said to him the other day, just play it, because it's so good. Wow, hardcore. Okay, from someone who, yeah, who doesn't even care. I don't care about violent games a lot of the time, but it's just really, really, really great. Sick. Yeah. So, okay. We will leave it there then. We'll end by uh, 
um, letting you know how to contact us. So we've got a Gmail now. It is theconsumedpodcast at gmail.com. Is that right, Katie? Yeah. I think so. Um, and if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you can at theconsumedpod. Um, how can we? How can they? Go on. Is it the Consumed Pod on Instagram as well? Oh, yeah, I think it's the Consumed Podcast on Instagram. Okay, yeah. So for Twitter, it's pod, and for Instagram, it's podcast. Uh, Katie, how can people find you? If you want to tweet at me at Cat K Fox, let me know if you're. Just let me know. I don't really do a lot on Twitter, so anything. <laughs> it's anything, an enticing point. <laughs> anything you would have to say to me on Twitter. Just let me know your thoughts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm at Ben Fox ninety one on Twitter. Um, but yeah, definitely follow the shows one and we'll we'll update that a little bit more maybe we'll put our um, twitch streams in the de- in description sure yes Sometimes so we're both um, you've been experimenting with that today mm-hmm. right so um my brother harry and i do quite a lot of streaming monday wednesday friday sunday resident evil we're playing a lot of um no man's sky um so yeah feel free to join us we're at twitch.tv forward slash fox fight um and katie where can we find your twitch yeah i'm hoping to get a stream of um of the game boy color harry potter and the sorcerer's stone yeah, going on great stream. game to stream. uh at crimsy two z's two e's cool i'll be checking that one out all right guys thank you so much for joining us katie thanks for joining me um have a You're good welcome. week guys we'll be back thanks we'll be back same time next week goodbye Bye. Bye.